Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Rachel Watson. Rachel is the author of the Amazon bestseller, How to Annihilate a Narcissist in the Family Courts. She's helped thousands of women worldwide understand the thought process of their abuser and the tactics abusers use to continue to wield power and control through the family courts. Rachel writes blog posts to give victims practical tools to manage the abuse they experience during their family court journey and to help guide victims safely through the process. She has campaigned vigorously in Scotland in recent years to raise awareness on coercive control and psychological abuse and the harm the justice and legal system do to women and children who experience this type of abuse. She also raises awareness on the harm the concept of parental alienation does in domestic abuse cases and shines the spotlight on the relevant academic research on the subject. So I am super excited to welcome Rachel Watson to the show. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I am a super fan of your work. I've been following you for a very long time and I absolutely love what you do. And I'm so excited to share this with my listeners. So please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Okay, well, um, I had my own very lengthy family court experience. And during that time, I felt completely alone. Um, People knew on the surface what was going on, but they didn't really understand the complexities of what was happening. I had no books, I wasn't on social media, I didn't get good service from lawyers, so I decided to go alone and I represented myself in the highest civil court in Scotland and I did that for many years and after my own experience I set up a support group um, for other women in the same situation and it really opened my eyes to um, how many women and children out there are really suffering in the family court system. And they're just crying out in desperation for their suffering to end. Um, It's not just a handful of women in Scotland. Thousands of women joined the support group and they were from Scotland and the rest of the UK, from countries all over the world. And um, it really made me realize that if, if they carried out an exit survey when people left the family courts asking, how was your experience? Um, Then the checkbox that would get ticked the most would be the one that said shocking and brutal. Um, Abuse victims in the family courts, they, they start to question their situation. They say to themselves, what on earth is happening to me? Um, why is the process so difficult and so painful? 
why are they not doing something about the abuse? Why, why is my children not getting the protection they need? So I write about it and I hope that my writing offers some answer to those questions. Um, because women in the system are under so much pressure, they're terrified. And I want to try and show them how they can turn that fear into confidence and, and give them a bit of hope and just help to try and get them and their, the, their child to, um, to the other side of the process as safely as possible. Um, and I campaigned in recent years as well, alongside a really wonderful group called um, Hashtag The Court Said. And um, I, I try to be a voice for silence victims of abuse and, and contribute to the public conversation, which will hopefully help to bring about some meaningful change. Um, I've handed the reins over in Scotland now, and that campaign goes from strength to strength. Um, and, and globally, they're really getting the message out there that the system needs to, to change radically and quickly. Yeah, because it's not just a UK issue. It is a global issue, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's hard to find a country where it's not happening. Um, and, and that's scary. You know, this is one of the questions I hear a lot, you know, from people saying, well, I, I went into the family court expecting justice. And, you know, why didn't I get that? I don't understand what's happening. And I think from, you know, everything that I've heard and experiences that and other people have been through, you know, it's sometimes it's counterintuitive. You know, quite often lawyers will say, don't mention the abuse because that won't look good for you in court. So what should people look out for? What's your advice when they're going into that situation? Well, there's so many hurdles in the family court. It's really hard to know where to begin. It's important to say, I think, that it's not all family court experiences that are bad ones. Um, but if you've been in the system for several years, then you'll see the problems start to creep in. Um, Generally speaking, rather than appropriately dealing with abusive behaviour, the courts tend to blame, shame and disbelieve the parent who's raising allegations of abuse. And when a parent harms a child, the court tends to try to reunify those abused children with their abuser rather than address the issue of abuse. So... Um, as you said, domestic abuse victims enter the family court system with, with expectations, very reasonable expectations. They want their child to be protected from harm. They want to reach safety. But the courts often don't see them as victims, despite having evidence which any credible expert would recognise as emotional or psychological abuse. Um, Children get given opportunities to give their views in family court proceedings, but those views get influenced and translated by lawyers and court reporters rather than transmitted directly to the judge. So what happens is you end up getting unfair and unsafe contact orders and victims of an abusive ex are forced to co-parent with that ex for many years. And subsequently the children get forced into harmful situations, which they often resist. And when they resist, they get silenced by the process and forced to comply. So 
that puts a lot of pressure on the child and the safe parent. Um, I see the family court system as a system that harms rather than resolves. Um, it's a system that doesn't respond to trauma. It perpetuates and compounds it. Domestic abusers routinely deny their behavior and claim to be alienated parents to get contact or custody. And they defame their victim's character very successfully. And the courts go along with the whole parental alienation narrative. Um, victims are up against a, a very deceitful and very powerful opponent. And the victim's often still being manipulated and controlled by her ex throughout her entire family court experience, which could be for years. And meanwhile, the abuser enters the process with serious ammunition. You know, they have financial resources a lot of the time. They have their parental alienation defense and a team of hired guns. And they have confidence and they can mask their behavior and present a convincing narrative. And all the victim knows is fear, worry, anxiety, and danger. And it, it takes its toll, um, not just on her, but on, on the rest of her family. And she eventually feels completely betrayed by the system, the system that she believed would protect her and her child. I mean, I say she, it's not always the woman that's the victim, but it, mostly it is. And overall, she's dealing with abuse and simultaneously injustice. And that creates an enormous amount of stress and anxiety. At the same time, she's dealing with day-to-day post-separation abuse throughout the contact arrangements, abuse by the system. She's trying to hold down a job, keep a roof over her head, progress in her career, and be a present and loving parent to a child who's also suffering. So it's just hard to imagine the pressure she's under, unless you've experienced it, it's hard to, you know, really understand it. They're entering the system traumatized and they're exiting the system re-traumatized. And these women lose everything. They they sometimes even lose their children into the custody of the abuser, who ironically then attempts to alienate the child from her. So some women and children don't survive. Um, children have been murdered by a parent the courts have granted access or custody to, and generally they're the only ones that you hear about. So the family court system, I would say, is deeply flawed. I mean, I see that all the time in my coaching clinic and, you know, actually people going in traumatized by the abuse, but then coming out with a double whammy of traumatized by almost the whole legal system becoming the mouthpiece for the perpetrator and then feeling abused by everyone and not believed. And obviously a symptom of abuse is that you don't have a voice and you don't have the ability to speak out because you're so fearful of the consequences and you know, if you've got the strength to go through the family courts and then you hear it from so many other people that maybe you're wrong and they're telling you you've done something that you know in your heart you haven't, it's very confusing and that can cause real serious long-lasting trauma, which I see so many people then having to unpick 
so that, you know, this isn't something they carry with them for life. And I don't think anybody realises in the family courts just what damage they're doing. Exactly. I don't think they realise how cruel the system is and how brutal it feels to somebody who is entering as a victim and not to be seen as that. And, and they're naturally going to present themselves as a victim. And it's up to the courts to have the knowledge to recognise what that victim presents like and what a perpetrator presents like, like in the criminal justice system. Um, you know, in the last few years, police have been trained to recognise victims and perpetrators of coercive control. And I hope that that will eventually bleed into the family court system. So just before we go on, I just really would love to understand your understanding of what parental alienation is for people listening who aren't really sure what that term means. Can you explain it to us? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again really would love to understand your understanding of what parental alienation is for people listening who aren't really sure what that term means. Can you explain it to us? This is a difficult one for me because I, I would say parental alienation is when an, an abuser is faced with their behaviour in the courtroom, they're never going to put their hands up and say, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, th no, sorry, they're going to say it wasn't me, it was them. They are the ones causing the child to resist me. Um, they're the ones turning the child against me. It's parental alienation. So it's an easy go-to defence for domestic abusers. You know, these perpetrators, if they do get custody of their children, they do manipulate the children. They do control the children and use shame um, and threat and influence the children and isolate them um, and attempt to turn them against their victim. But we have to be very careful because that is coercively controlling behaviour. And you have to recognise um, that that's what the victims are going into court alleging. And so to determine which parent is telling the truth in that situation, you really have to look at the evidence. So you have to be very 
um, aware of the parental alienation professed by domestic abusers and actually manipulating and controlling behaviour, um, which is coercive control, which is in fact an extension of domestic abuse. Natalie Page, who is also involved in hashtag the court said who I know very well, she's a really inspiring woman. And, you know, she said that in 95% of the cases where domestic abuse had been alleged, it was 95% of the time after abuse had been alleged, then parental alienation was then accused, they were accused of it. So it always comes afterwards, like the alienation, the domestic abuse allegation is there. And then it is counteracted 95% of cases afterwards by the alienation claim, which was wasn't there before. And it only comes up when the domestic abuse is, is evidenced. Yeah. And parental alienation is only a subject ever talked about the family courts. So you have to then ask why, you know, outside of the family court system. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting topic for all the wrong reasons. So what do you think are the, are the main reasons for these issues with the family court? Well, I would say that the industry that you know we're talking about has formed around the family courts, an industry of lawyers and court reporters. And I mean, if abuse was addressed right from the start, then matters would be resolved quite quickly and the, the child would be safe. But when you pitch parental alienation against domestic abuse, then you get extended conflict, which creates a demand for lawyers, guardians, therapists. Um, the latest one is parental coordinators. And they all charge, so they all charge um, thousands and thousands of pounds for their services. And it's just a scam. Um, this industry has collectively persuaded judges over decades that women and children lie about abuse and raise false allegations of abuse in a vindictive manner to get custody of children. And by doing so, domestic abuse perpetrators can then get contact or custody with the support of these lawyers and psychologists because they give the appearance that it's mutual conflict or in fact the domestic abuse victim is the abusive parent. So individuals in the industry hold personal beliefs that abuse should be a private family matter or it doesn't exist or it's irrelevant to contact and custody decisions and that contact should be prioritised. And some judges share these beliefs. So you have um, a deep-rooted culture which has developed in the family course in which abuse is disbelieved and dismissed or incidents are seen as isolated incidents caused by alcohol or depression or instigated. And so there's a general denial of domestic abuse and the impact of it is minimised and that has a detrimental effect on mostly women and children. And judges have often already decided that contact will happen. It's just a matter of how it happens, not if it happens. Um, mandates to consider domestic abuse are not resolving the issue. The family court's focus is, is very firmly on contact as a pro-contact culture. And so Judges see bad behaviour, but they turn a blind eye to it and they don't realise the impact that behaviour has on the child. And when unsafe contact orders get handed down, then 
in these situations, then abuse becomes a big part of that child's childhood. And women who raise it in court are dismissed as parental alienators. So the the um, the thing you mentioned earlier about it being countries worldwide, um, a domestic abuse victim in Scotland has an identical family court experience to a victim in the USA, Canada, Australia, right down to the phrases said in court, the recommendations made in court reports, the harmful tactics used when interviewing children and, and the cruel punishments. That's not a coincidence. So you have to look for common denominators that link family court professionals globally to get to the root of the issues and see how that belief systems insidiously crept into the family court, you know, in Scotland and England, what, you know, it's identical. It's, it's, you know, it's quite creepy how identical women's stories are and the industry and the culture that's developed around the family courts it's created a minefield for victims of an abusive ex. It is quite unbelievable how the stories are similar. And I hear this. I've got clients in Australia as well as America who are reporting exactly the same things. And actually, I did another episode with Dr. Karen Williams, who's a psychiatrist who deals with victims of exactly this, the trauma caused by family courts over alienation and other kind of domestic abuse cases. And she's reporting exactly the same things. So, yeah, it is a, a global issue for sure. So what can people do then if they find themselves in that position? That's it for today. To hear part two of Rachel's interview with me, please join me on the next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Heartbreak to Happiness.